Well, today starts our four-week journey through this series called Christian Atheists, and many of you are here today because of this series, and somebody from Elevation Community Church invited you, and if that's you, thank you so much. Elevation Community Church uh, body, uh, I want to encourage you to continue to pray about those three people that God has brought to your mind, and I really want you to invite them these next couple weeks, and I think um, after hearing what God has to say through this first installment of the, uh, of this series, you're going to want to bring your friends who just need to know that they are loved and there's a plan for their lives. Before I dive into the series, I just I want to speak from my heart to you, all of the, those who are family here at Elevation Community Church. And what I mean by family means that you are part of this spiritual family. You're regular attenders. You are connected. You support the vision. You are you sh- you show you sh- you show up and you step out. Those of you who I uh, have not been able to get to know as much, uh, please know that I love you still and uh, love you so much. I love all of you, and be- on behalf of the staff, you guys really stepped out and showed up in this month that we were not expecting at all for pastor appreciation. And you guys, um, I'm very seldom speechless, <laughs> and you guys succeeded. And um, I just want to say thank you for your many gifts. Um, but more importantly, uh, you affirmed what God has called us to do. And um, ministry can be lonely sometimes. And uh, so often people think that just because we're pastors that we don't have needs and we don't have issues and problems. And I think Daniel and I will be the first to say that's not true at all. But you guys really showed up to support us and to love us. And you guys will never, ever know what that means to us when you do that. And uh, you guys do that throughout the year. You don't need an October Hallmark uh, holiday to show your appreciation. And uh, Nancy Warwick and Susan Cardinal, thank you for leading that up. Um, I promise I did not pay them to do that. Um, They just, out of the gratefulness of their hearts, they did that. So thank you so much. Yeah. Love you too. Thank you guys. Um, So Christian Atheist is written, uh, is a book written um, probably, I think, around 2014 by a pastor at Life Church called uh, Craig Rochelle. You may have known him. Uh, We did a series uh, uh, later this past year um, called Alter Ego. He wrote that as well. And so I'm so excited to introduce this series to you today. Also, if you want to go deeper and you want to know more about the content in this book that I'm not going to be able to touch uh, well at all, uh, you can uh, purchase that book on Amazon or online or go um, to any bookstore if there's still such thing as bookstores out there. Um, now that everything you can get online. But according to the survey taken in 2015, this really struck me. And this is why this topic was birthed. In the country we live in, the wonderful country of America, by the way, we're going to be able to honor our veterans next Sunday. So we really hope that you can invite anyone that's a veteran uh, and be here to support and love on our veterans. But in our country, three out of four people 
say they believe in God. Three out of four people say they believe in God. And here's another statistic. Seven out of ten believe that Jesus is the Son of God or that he is God's Son and came to the world to save it. Seven out of ten people. However, I may be wrong, but when we look at how people live today, I think we would all have to agree that seven out of ten people are not living life that really reflects what they say they believe. Would you agree with that? Let's let's just look around our country and our culture. Seven out of ten people say they believe in God. They even believe they're Christian. And yet they live their lives like he doesn't exist. Christian, atheist. And so the definition of a Christian atheist is what I just said. Is someone who proclaims belief in the Christian God, the one true God, but they live their lives as an atheist, denying the existence of God by the way they live. Now, if you're atheist and you're listening and you're atheist, this is not, this is not at all a knock on you. This is a knock on those who say they believe in God and they believe in Jesus and that they're a Christian, but they live their lives as if he doesn't exist. And so if you are here and you're listening and maybe you are atheist, maybe you believe in nothing and you believe there is no God. Maybe you believe there's a God, but you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you have been looking into other religions. Maybe you've been studying and trying to figure out what is truth. Maybe you believe that actually there is an afterlife. And if you believe there is an afterlife, then it's really important to know how to get to where you want to go in the afterlife. And so these are all incredible questions that I invite for you who aren't believers, who aren't Christians, who don't believe in God, to attend and listen every week during this month. Because I believe that through this series, you're going to realize... That if indeed there is a God who loves you, which I would stake my entire life on, if indeed there is a God who loves you, and if indeed our spirits live on after this body is just a cavity, if indeed there is a God, and if indeed there is an afterlife, then this question is the most important question, is what do you believe? Because what you believe will determine how you live. What you truly believe, not what you say you believe, but what truly influences everything about you will determine how you live. So it's not just I'm putting a name tag on because I'm an American and I'm not Muslim, I'm not Mormon, I'm not Jehovah's Witness, I'm not you name that religion, so I must be Christian. I go to church every Sunday, I must be Christian. And yet we live our lives as if God doesn't 
exist. Christian atheist. And so I would like to open this series with this scripture out of Titus chapter 1, verse 16. We have the house lights up so you can uh, grab the Bible and the flap in front of you if you'd like. You can uh, open your phone app, Elevation Community Church. Phone app has a Bible app in there. If you don't have any of that, just look on the screen. It will be provided for you. Titus, excuse me, Titus is Paul speaking to Titus, imagine that, and the people that Titus is ministering to. Now, he is teaching to a group of people much like what we see today, people who claim they believe in God, but they're very rebellious in the way they live. They're engaged in useless talk, in deceiving others, and this infuriated the apostle Paul. And so what he says in Titus 1.6 is this. Such people claim they say that word, no, God. But they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless. That word is actually translated as useless for doing anything good. He's saying these people claim they believe in God. They claim they know God, but they live lives like he doesn't exist. And those kind of lives are detestable and worthless in doing any kind of good. You know, we hear this talk all the time. It's our culture. We're a good person. I'm a good person. There's nobody on planet earth that doesn't want to do good. But good doesn't cut it when it comes to the kingdom of God. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the really cool thing. That even as jacked up and messed up as you all are and I am, God gave us a second chance through his son Jesus. And that's why we can have hope. But if you're going to believe in Jesus, live like it. If you're going to believe in the ways of the world, go ahead and live like it. But if we claim that we believe something with all of our hearts, that it should start to produce fruit such as what we proclaim. Thank you. So Christian atheists, according to God's word, says they're detestable and useless for any good deed. I don't want to be that person. And I don't think neither do you. So this four-week series is going to dive us in to understand what a Christian truly should look like. And I think it's going to speak to all of us in so many areas. What we're going to see in the next couple weeks is this. I believe in God, but I don't fear God. That's next week. The next one is, I believe in God, but I'm not all in for God. I'm not all overboard for Jesus. But I believe in him. And I'll go to church on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Ooh, stepping on toes already. <laughs> but I'm not all in for God. Third one, the last week, is I believe in God. But I don't trust him fully with my life. And today, we're going to look at I believe in God 
but I don't know him. And we're going to look at three categories with this being the first one of what it means to know God. Three categories under the knowing God. Number one is I believe in God, but I don't know him. Number two is I believe in God and I know him, but not real well. And the third one is I believe God and I know him intimately and I serve him wholeheartedly. So we're going to look at those three categories and jump in. Would you just mind bowing your head real quick? I just want to ask the Lord, Father, Daddy, you are so good. And I just pray that you would find favor to come and just sit a while with us. And I pray for every single person listening that they would learn something about you that they've never known before. And they would take one step closer to knowing you as their God, as their Savior, and as their Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Christian atheists believe in God but they act like he doesn't exist. Let me illustrate it this way. In 2000, uh, 2001, I was invited to sing at a wedding in Akron, Ohio uh, for two friends that I actually met the following, or excuse me, the previous summer uh, during seven weeks of a missions trip in Ethiopia. Life-changing for me. And uh, these friends were getting married. They met on the missions trip. And uh, there was this wedding party house. So everyone's coming from out of town. And we uh, all got to stay at this lake house. And so when I get in, I get my room and I come on out and I get to meet the host. It's this man and, 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 and woman who knew the bride extremely well, was like their parents. Um, the bride's dad died when she was younger. And so they kind of became her parents. And um, there was another set, another family that... Um, had traveled from Cincinnati to uh, help this couple with all the rehearsal dinners and the wedding plans. And their last name was Biceline. And so I met this family and through group events and rehearsal dinner, and I was really busy because, I mean, I was the star of the wedding. I had to sing. So, um, you know, I was really focused uh, on that and not focused on uh, the people that were in front of me. I'm kind of kidding, tongue-in-cheek, but not really. Um, So... Um, later that weekend through just the activities, I got to know this girl that belonged to the Bice Lines and her name was Lauren. And, um, I didn't really know her. I, I believe that her name was Lauren cause she said it was. And, um, we, we actually had, um, the night of the wedding, we actually had a talk with the, uh, the, the, the brother of the bride was there. And so it was three of us hanging out in the, in the game room. And we had such an incredible conversation, but the problem is, is I don't remember it because I fell asleep. And yeah, real good first impressions, right? I literally fell asleep, but it was 2 a.m. in the morning, so I have an excuse, okay? So I got up the next morning, and several of us went water skiing, and Lauren was there, and we kind of got to know each other a little bit. 
Uh, but before I left, just being the guy that I, I am, I just kind of got everyone's email and said, hey, we'll connect. And then I decided to get this girl's email. Now, I believed that this girl, Lauren, actually existed. I saw her. And I believed her name was Lauren, and I believed that she lived in Cincinnati because that's what she told me. But I didn't know her. I didn't know her. And I would love to tell you this amazing, like, romantic story that I went home and immediately pursued her left and right and got her phone number and called her right away, and we hooked up and got married. But it didn't happen that way. Now, I did get her number, but I didn't call her for four months. And she waited by the phone every evening for that stinking phone call. I was in my senior show, and I had a lot to do. (laughs) But, thank God, my wife was smart and brilliant, and she didn't give up. So, thanks to her mother whoever she is, wherever she is, her and her mother conspired together to stalk me. You can hear her story later. I told her, I have the mic. Stalk me. And somehow, just somehow, during Christmas college break, they landed in a town 15 minutes away from me. And she says, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It was a Christmas card. I don't, I don't know how far you live, but I'm going to be in Crystal Lake and I would love to get together. Well, I got together, still didn't know this girl, got together. And I, let me tell you, I was hooked after this night with this woman because I saw how beautiful she was inside and out, but I didn't know her. I knew of her and everything that I'm learning was learning about her. I loved To the point that I went home and bought a bunch of calling cards. Time out. Calling cards, ladies and gentlemen, are what you use to make long-distance phone calls when you're not fortunate to have a cell phone in year 2000. We went through phone cards left and right, and we hardly missed a single evening of a phone call. And I was falling head over heels for this woman. And you know what's amazing is I didn't at first have any pictures of her. And so I, in my mind, even couldn't remember how she looked. But I was in awe. And I was whooped. (laughs) Because of what I was learning about this woman. And so four months after our phone call dates, we graduated from college, her in Bluffton, Ohio, me in Wisconsin. Go Badgers. And um, so we started dating in May. Three months later, we were engaged. And her mother, of course, had to call me the next day to wonder why so fast, but I had to remind her that she was the one that stalked me for her daughter. So let's just get real. <laughs> Love you, Mom. <laughs> I actually, a true, actually, I love my in-laws. Actually. Because some of you are working on it. Okay? So anyways, 
Back to your notes, Phil. Now, I've been married 15 years, and I know Lauren. I know more about her than even her parents know. I know more about her than any of y'all better know. (laughs) And I love her inside and out. She's the mama of our two kids. How we got those two kids? Well, I knew her, right? Okay, that joke didn't didn't go well. (laughs) Read your Bible, okay? (laughs) And I'm still learning about Lauren. I'm still learning the things that make her tick and the things that make her spit venom. I'm... I'm learning how to serve her. I'm learning more and more and more. And here's the thing, y'all. The God of heaven who created the earth and sustains the heavens and the earth designed relationship with you and me to have a relationship, not to have a religion. A relationship of knowing the one true God and God Knowing us. It is the most incredible relationship that we will ever experience. He wants to know you. And he wants you to know him. And by the way, he already knows you. He knows you more than you know yourself. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And he knew you before you were even a thought in your mother's womb. But he wants you to know him like that. So we can believe in God, but not know him. And you probably ask, how could that be possible? How could that even be possible? Well, I'll I'll tell you. You know what the Bible says? Even the demons of hell believe and tremble with fear. You can believe in God. You can believe in the resurrected Jesus and not know him. And so I want to point to two things in this category. And I want to take a moment to do this because I really, really sense that God wants to do some work in our hearts through this. There's two reasons why I believe we struggle as Americans who say they believe in God, but we live our lives like he doesn't exist. The first one is this, and this is going to step on your toes, and I hope it does. The first one is the God that we have formed in our minds or the God that maybe we were told about as a kid may not even exist. The God that we have morphed into our world and our mold, the God that we have made up in our minds or the God that we were taught when we were a kid may not even exist. Before you tune me out and run out, stick with me. Because I think think we're going to land the plane somewhere that's going to either hurt or really make sense. Or both. Karen Armstrong wrote The Case for God. And she said this. Many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learned about God at about the same time we learned about Santa Claus. 
But while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology remained somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we attained intellectual maturity, many of us rejected the God we had inherited and we denied that he existed. You see, many of us had this childhood faith. Many of us even had a childhood conversion. But as we grew, we didn't grow in the knowledge of our relationship with God. And because we didn't grow up in our relationship with God, we outgrew our Christian faith. And sadly, that's what's happening all over the country. These kids are leaving their childhood faith with no substance no experience, no truth. They're going and starting to ask fact-based questions and all they're getting is faith-based answers. And they form this God in their mind that they just can't justify or reconcile that he exists. And the thing is, is he doesn't exist, the ones that they have formed in their mind. And before you think I've gone out of my mind or off my rocker, I want to share with you a few of these gods that we have morphed into existence in our minds. And then when this God doesn't perform or show up, we decide that God doesn't exist. And we don't believe in God anymore. And this comes from Andy Stanley at North Point Church. And I want to give him the credit where credit's due. But the first one that we see so often... And he calls it the gods of the New Testament. <laughs> the gods of the New Testament. The first one we see that we make up in our mind and, and see if you can relate to any of these. And maybe you've even believed that God is one of these. Number one is bodyguard God. Bodyguard God. He will protect you from all difficulty and all all hardship, and all bad things. If you believe in a God like this, you are doomed to misery and frustration and question and confusion. We think it's a good God that will protect us from all bad things. This is such a dangerous assumption. Why? Why? It's because if you believe that, you're going to be constantly questioning your faith and your belief in a God that doesn't exist. And I'm going to even ask you, who told you that? Who told you that there's a God in heaven who is a loving God, but would never allow anything bad to happen to them? It doesn't make sense. Why? Because our Christian faith would not be able to sustain out of the first century if that was so. And by the way, our Christian faith actually started with a very good man, a perfect man, a sinless man, and horrible stuff happened to him. And he didn't question his father. And he didn't preach that God is a God who doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. The truth of the matter is, bad things happen because we have given in to sin. And this 
Sin is rejecting God. It says we don't need God. We will do it our way. That's sin. And so we live in a dark and fallen world, but this is how good God is. He didn't leave us. Christ was known as Emmanuel, God with us. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. God wants to be in relationship. But we have to understand that the things that go wrong, yes, he allows it to happen. And man, can he bring greater good out of the dark crap in our lives. But it's not him doing it. But he has to allow it because we chose that. And we didn't choose him. And now that we've chose him, Let's live like it and trust him, knowing that his ways are better than ours. So bodyguard God, if you believe in that and you've given up on that childhood faith, good, because he doesn't exist. On-demand God. On-demand God. God, I need a parking spot. Oh, that's a God thing. Look, it just opened. God, thank you, God. I'm not saying that that's not God. Don't spit at me. I'm just saying, even with selfless requests, we often just expect that God is going to be on demand and he wants to delight himself in answering your selfless, harmless requests. Now, it's great intention and God is a loving God and he wants to give good gifts to his children, but this is a dangerous assumption. Why? Is because if you begin to ask for things that maybe God knows better, you start to say, why isn't God answering my prayers? Hello, God. You know I want a man in my life. You know I want a woman in my life. Why don't you do that? And then you look back 10 years and you say, oh, God, thank you so much for not answering my prayer. (laughs) Isn't that true, though? And then we wonder why God's not answering us. It's because we're not praying according to his will. We want what we want. Or what we think should be great. Even if it's praying for someone else in your life to find God. And so what happens is we deny that God ever existed. Because he's not answering my request. And if he's a good God, shouldn't he be providing and listening to me and answering me? And then we outgrow this childhood faith. But it's a good thing because that God, on-demand God, doesn't exist. He's a good God. And he delights to bless his children with so many good gifts. Speaking of abundant life. But Jesus taught us how to pray. Holy are you, God. I'm not God. You are. Your will be done. And I'm not going to worry about what you do because I know that you're doing good. Your will be done. And then he said, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, God, if you want me to die on the cross and you want me to go through the most intense pain that any human will go through, your will be done. He didn't reject Or argue with God because he was demanding of God. Because on demand, God doesn't exist. This one's a fun one. Boyfriend or girlfriend God. (laughs) I love this one because just just go go back to your teen years, okay? 
boyfriend-girlfriend God is all about always needing to sense and feel his presence. (laughs) They're always together, right, teens? Parents, God bless you. I'm not there yet, but the moment my my son puts his hand under that blanket, it's done. Sorry, you guys got to go home. Oh, I'm just holding hands. No, you're not. I just want to be close to her. No. Okay. Boyfriend or girlfriend God. And see, what we do is we bring that into our relationship with God, and we think that he's a boyfriend or girlfriend God, that we're always going to feel his presence no matter what. We're always going to feel and have these experiences. Now, we will because God is ever present. He never leaves. You do. He never leaves. He's always there, but he doesn't promise that you're always going to have the ooey-gooey's and the heebie-jeebies when he shows up. If we base our belief in a God that we're always going to feel when we feel we need him, we're going to be disappointed every time. And then we're going to give up that childhood faith because God just isn't there. And it's probably good you've given up your faith on that God because he doesn't exist. God is ever-present, unchanging. And he is with you every bit. And when you remain faithless, he remains faithful. And he is always there. Then this one's not as funny, but it's so true. It's so often we believe in guilt, God. And this one has robbed your lunch for years. This God that you believe in or used to believe in controls you through guilt, shame, and fear. And a lot of times, we get that from maybe our earthly father. And so when we start to believe in a God, we throw our earthly father's characteristics on God. And now God is this abusive, fearful, demanding, condescending God. That God doesn't exist. Guys, that God doesn't exist. That's good news. And a lot of you want to run away from that God, and you have run away from your, that God, but guilt God is really tricky because it, t- it tends to stick to you. Even though you've run away from that belief and you don't believe that God is a guilt God, you still have these beliefs that come up that rob you of so much because you're being driven by guilt. And so maybe you've grown up in your life and you feel like God is this God in the skies with a ruler ready to come hammering down on you and you've outgrown that and you want nothing to do with that God. Good, because that God doesn't exist. And finally is a gap God. A gap God is simply any gap in our lives or anything that happens that we can't explain. We just say it's a God thing. It's just a God thing. How was the earth made? Well, it's just a God thing. No, science tells us how he does it and did it. It's okay to accept and embrace science because God uses that to show us who he is. And so often when we can't explain things to people, we just say it's a God thing, you just have faith. 
You see, the list of things that we can explain is getting larger and larger and larger thanks to technology, science, and all the kind of improvements that's coming. And the things that we can't explain, the list is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So what happens with Gap God is eventually Gap God's not going to be needed because we have everything we need to know. And so we grow out of our childhood faith of Gap God and we don't believe in God anymore. Well, Gap God doesn't exist. The one true God, maker of heaven and earth and holds the universe together and sent his son Jesus to die for your sin, exists. And he wants you to know him, not just believe in him. And the last one, the point two yet, the last one is why, why we struggle with believing in God but not knowing him is called a cultural Christian. Culture Christianity. Just because we're an American, we say we're Christian. And you know what? If we're not another religion, we must be Christian. And if we go to church on Christmas and Easter, or we were baptized as a kid, we must be a culture Christian. We must be Christian. So we have all these people proclaiming to be a Christian. And they live their lives like God doesn't exist. We've got a problem. We've got a big problem. And you know, the biggest concern of mine is those people who don't believe in a God. They're looking at those people that call themselves Christians and living like he doesn't exist. Do you think they want anything to do with Christianity? I don't blame them. So church, we got to wake up. And if we believe that Christ is who he says he is, we need to start getting to know him so that we will reflect who he is. The second category is I believe in God and I know him, but I don't know him well. I believe in God and I know him, but I don't know him well. Galatians chapter 4 says it this way. Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 9. Formerly, this is Paul, when you did not know God. Okay, he's saying when you didn't know him. You know him now. So you know him now, right? But you didn't know him before. Formerly, when you didn't know God, you were slave to those who by nature are not gods. Gap God, guilt God, you name it, on-demand God, boyfriend-girlfriend God. Uh, He said, now that you know God, now that you know God, or rather, this is what I love, You've been known by God. Now that you know God, he says, stop living. Stop living in the way that you are living. Stop turning back to those weak and miserable forces. I mean, do you wish to be enslaved in sin all over again? And I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you guys something. If you know me, you know my heart. And I love you guys. I love all of you. And I hope you know that. But sometimes I look around in our community and our church. And you have the Christian name tag on. And I just want to say, what are you doing? You decided really to spend and invest your time in this When everyone else is around looking at you, knowing you go to Elevation Community Church, more important, that you claim to be a Christian, and you're going to do that right now? Really? 
And then I have to step back in grace and patience and say, God, help them to know you more. Because the more they know you, the more they will reflect you. The more that they know you, the more that they will reflect you. And the third category is this. So we have, I believe in God, but I don't know him. I believe in God, but, and I know him, but I don't know him well. And the third category is my prayer for every single person here and every person listening is I believe in God and I know him intimately and I serve him wholeheartedly. I am all in. This is what God designs for our lives. So I'm just going to blitz through this list. We're going to put it on Facebook, but this is what it looks like for someone to believe in God to know him intimately, to know him well, and then to serve him wholeheartedly. These are the movers and shakers and the changers in our community and in our world. And I sure hope that something inside of you, hopefully it's the Holy Spirit, rises up in you to make a change in your life. Here is what a person looks like who knows him, believes in him, and serves him wholeheartedly. Number one. You know what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. You understand walking by faith and not by sight. You're gently convicted of your sin and to quickly turn from it. Your heart says, God, I want this day to bring you glory. You you long to see the hand of God working in your life all through the day. You recognize him in conversations that you have with people. You sense him directing you to care for somebody even when you don't want to care for them. You feel him prodding you to say something that you weren't planning on saying, stepping out of your comfort zone. You know his comfort when something wrong happens in your life, and you feel his supernatural peace. Next, you know what it's like to feel the power of God in your life. And if you feel, I couldn't have done this without him. That's when you know you're starting to really know him. And rely on him. His word. or You know that when you're weak, he makes you strong. His word is a part of your life. It's not just something that you have to read. It's hidden in your heart that you might not sin against him. And yet you continue to long for more because it's like spiritual food for your soul. The more you feed on it, the more you want. You find worship as a natural overflow out of your daily life. It's not what you do just when you're in church. It's what you do because you know him. And lastly, at the end of the day, you don't measure your success of the day of how you feel or what you did get done or didn't get done for you type A and high achievers right here. You measure the day by how did I serve and glorify God. If that relates to you, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have it all together or you're better than anyone else. Because if you think that, I would argue that that's not you. It's just that you've been walking with God. And you know God. And as the band comes up, Joel and Raquel, I want to leave you with one thing. One thing. How you refer to God 
or shall I say, what you call God shows you how well you know God. How well do you know God? What you call God determines how well you know God. How you address God shows your relationship with God. You hear a lot of people pray, dear six-pound baby Jesus, right? (laughs) Or the big God, big guy upstairs. Or... God, whoever you are, wherever you are, I don't know how to pray, so I'll just tell you about my day. (laughs) Let me tell you, a lot of you know me by Pastor Phil, and that tells me that you at least know me or know about me. But there's very few people in my life that call me Philip. It's my family who know me and raised me and called me Philip all their lives. If you call me Philip, that probably tells me that you're my family. And then there's two people who know me by daddy. No one else knows me as daddy. It's because we have a relationship and I'm their daddy. And no one else calls me the names that Lauren calls me and I'm not telling you. You're welcome. (laughs) But I want to ask you, what do you call God? Who is he to you? And maybe that's just an indicator to how well or how little you know him. So I'd like for you to bow your heads. I just want to list those three categories and I want to say first if you are walking with God and you're knowing more and more and more about God I can guarantee you you are experiencing real life change and can I just encourage you if that's you ask the Lord to work in you and through you to show you the Christian atheists around you and those who don't believe in God and make your motive to show them Christ's love. That's, that's your, your purpose. Wholeheartedly serve him and radically love other people. Second of all, maybe you know him, but you don't know him well. God is a gentle God. But he's also a strong, righteous, just God. And he longs for you to draw near to him. He hasn't gone anywhere. You make priorities around who you want to be with. You make priorities by who you long to be with. And God's just saying, I'm here, will you make me a priority and come and get to know me because I will rock your world. 
lastly, there's that category where you believe in a God. Maybe you believe that Jesus Christ did come as God and he died and he rose again, but you don't know him. The incredible thing is all you have to ask is, Jesus, I want to know you. It is as simple of a prayer as that. And then we start to ask God to forgive our sins. We understand that we can't do this on our own. And we start to let God be Lord of our lives. And so what I want to do before we respond in worship, I want to lead all of us, all of us in a verbal prayer. And I want you to repeat after me, all of us, no matter what category you are in, let's draw near to God. And so I want you to repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I want to know you through your son, Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. Come on. To be first in my life. To be my savior and my Lord. Fill me with your presence through your Holy Spirit so I can know you more. Reveal yourself to me so I can follow you, so I can serve you. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. Jesus, thank you for my new life. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just sit and let this song wash over you?